0: The survivors that were found were winched to safety in a massive rescue operation in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. The dead had gone to Libya first and then tried to make it into Europe. They feel like this is the only option, basically, to risk their lives to get to Europe. Some are in shock, they're dehydrated, exhausted. This is a global inequality crisis, like this is, you know, not about one specific thing.
1: Risk death in the desert or drown at sea. Those are the terrible choices facing sub-Saharan Africans trying to reach Europe via Tunisia. Huge numbers of people, migrants, are making their way by sea from North Africa to the Italian island of Lampedusa. More than 12,000 people arrived there just last week, crossing the short stretch of the Mediterranean from Tunisia. It's a journey the UN has called the deadliest migration route in the world. The route has claimed the lives of more than 2,000 people so far this year. So what role is Tunisia playing in all this? Award-winning author and Irish Times contributor Sally Hayden explains.
0: Many of the people that I spoke to, they're fleeing a wave of repression created by the Tunisian president. Yeah, you have to risk your your death to, what they say, gain a life.
1: And what role does the EU play in the deepening migrant crisis? And will a deal with Tunisia improve the lot of those seeking safety?
0: The EU basically spending, again, huge sums of money to try and stop people from reaching its territory. And in doing that, it's supporting dictators, authoritarian regimes. That's what's happening in Tunisia right now.
1: This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today... The politics, conflicts and deals that are fueling this latest deadly phase in the migrant crisis. Sally, this week, more than 12,000 migrants arrived by sea from North Africa onto the Italian island of Lampedusa. The numbers, look, of course, they're shocking, especially in the context, because that's nearly 126,000 Migrants have arrived Italy already this year, almost double the figure by the same date last year. What has changed? What's driving so many more people to attempt this desperately dangerous journey now?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think there are probably two layers to that answer. The first is, like, as you say, that the numbers potentially are shocking for people. But the scale of the crises that are happening right now across a lot of Africa is huge. Um, For example, Sudan, the war since April has displaced more than 5 million people. Um, you you know, we obviously have wars that have been ongoing or have recently ended in other places like Northern Ethiopia, like South Sudan. Um, there's an economic crisis across much of Africa, which is being fueled as well by the Ukraine war and increases in fuel prices, um, issues around malnutrition, climate change, which is pushing people into droughts. In Somalia, for example, where I reported twice last year for the Irish Times, um, tens of thousands of people are said to have died as a result of a drought that's said to be climate change related, so um, yeah, I mean that twelve thousand—it sounds big, but it's it's really kind of a symptom of a much much bigger problem. Um, And it's really a small number compared to the numbers who are suffering from those issues. Uh, I guess the other thing that it's kind of symptomatic of is how hard it is for a large proportion of the world's population effectively to access visas, to get on planes or to have other legal routes to get to countries where they feel safe or secure. Basically, we have kind of a global inequality crisis where large proportions of, of the planet effectively don't have ways to travel and so um, I was in Tunisia last month for the Irish Times and the people I met they said that this they feel like this is the only option basically to risk their lives to to get to Europe like this Um, at the same stage we do have a situation where Tunisia basically the uh, president is increasingly authoritarian and is effectively angling for for funding, because there's an economic crisis there. And so, yeah, I think there are also broader questions to be asked as to how much he has provoked this situation. Last Sunday,
1: Italy's Prime Minister Giorgio Maloney and the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen visited Lampedusa. And of course, that brings into focus once again on how the EU is dealing with the migration crisis. What was the point of that joint appearance?
0: Yeah, I was actually in Italy when that appearance happened and I watched the press conference live um, while I was there. Uh, The point of it, I think, was kind of, I guess, political, isn't it? Um, but also that they are trying to say that they're doing something and this ties into your previous question why are people arriving in Lampedusa Um, we have a situation where the EU has basically been spending huge sums of money to try and stop people from reaching its territory and in Tunisia where most people are now leaving from and arriving in Lampedusa we have uh, a President Qais Saeed who's increasingly authoritarian and actually has provoked a back Backlash against black Africans since February by essentially saying that they're part of a criminal plot. And so when I was in Tunisia last uh, month and I was interviewing many people who were thinking of making the journey, a lot of them actually said they had been living in Tunisia for years and they had been working there and they hadn't had a plan to leave but then there was violence um, unleashed against them they were evicted from their homes they were forced out of their jobs and they were left with no other option and so now we have a situation where I mean it's kind of more of the same from uh, European leaders what that what they're speaking about doing is funding or you know spending large amounts of money on effectively you know border security in Tunisia
1: I want to be very clear. We have an obligation as part of the international community. We have fulfilled it in the past and we will do so today and in the future. But we will decide who comes to the European Union and under what circumstances and not the smugglers and traffickers. Maloney, when she was on Lampedusa, she said that she doesn't consider this a gesture of solidarity of Europe towards Italy. She considers it a gesture of responsibility of Europe towards itself because they're the borders of Italy, but they're also the borders of Europe. I mean, it's a fair point, isn't it? Because countries like Italy do bear the brunt of dealing with the influx of migrants. In Ireland, we, we seem very far removed from it
0: what you have right now is a situation where maloney and um ursa van der Leyen are basically kind of operating they're carrying out this deal with Tunisia, which they're trying to push through and i would see that that press conference has been kind of another effort to do that but there have been complaints by um european states by meps and by even um joseph burrell i saw They're the foreign affairs chief who are saying that they're doing that without proper backing. And so it's basically a political action. Like the press conference that they made together, it's not a show of solidarity. It's a political action because they're trying to push through this deal with Tunisia. And what the deal with Tunisia is, is an effort to spend huge amounts of money effectively propping up an authoritarian regime to try and stop people from reaching European territory.
1: If someone here were to think that these global crises that we are tackling and facing could just be solved within Italian borders, that would be a huge mistake. The deal between the EU and Tunisia, we're hearing the figure that it's a a billion euro deal. It hasn't gone through, but it does create an arrangement that essentially exchanges euros Uh, for help stemming the flow of migrants. What is in the deal?
0: Yeah, I mean, the deal, so my understanding anyway, is that it hasn't fully gone through, but it would include um, economic support, but also spending on border control or border management and that would be about a hundred million euros and there are issues around I mean Tunisia right now has an economic crisis and there are issues around whether it's meeting IMF requirements which it's not at the moment but basically yeah what is happening is an effort to try and spend that money anyway um, and it's really important that that people understand the full context of what is happening here so we've had the EU basically spending again huge sums of money to try and stop people from reaching its territory and in doing that it's supporting dictators, authoritarian regimes, militias propping up systems that oppress people further and that's what's happening in Tunisia right now and so when you ask like, why are so many people arriving in that producer um, partially many of them or many of the people that I spoke to, they're fleeing a wave of repression created by the Tunisian president, who actually has since posed with Maloney and with um, Ursula van der Leyen. That has also been seen. I mean, even this weekend, um, thousands of people were rounded up in Sfax, which is um, one of the cities where a lot of Africans who were planning or who were kind of hoping to cross to Europe had been gathering, where I actually visited last month, and they were actually bussed to El Amra Which is one of the departure points. And there, Al Jazeera reporters have said that they haven't seen any security in terms of trying to stop them from crossing the sea. So I think there are much bigger questions to be asked here as to how the Tunisian government or president right now is actually using migration to extract money from the EU and how that money is potentially going to be spent without any requirements for human rights to be adhered to and whether that um, deal is actually legitimate given that it doesn't seem to be supported by large swaths of of people who are involved in the EU. Speaking to that point,
1: in recent days, the Tunisian government blocked the entry of a European Parliament mission to its territory after MEPs criticised President's aid for human rights violations against migrants. Now, Sally, looking at this, like there must be questions about whether the Tunisian president is someone with whom, whom the European Union should be trusting to strike deals with.
0: Yes, of course. And like let me repeat, like many of the people that I met in Tunisia who are now trying to cross the sea or have since managed to cross the sea were doing so because of repression, sudden repression that started this year um, provoked by the Tunisian president. And so they were fired from their jobs. They were evicted from their homes. They were left with no other options, so they say. Um, and that's something that you have to understand, this kind of wrangling, because a lot of African leaders at this point, they know that the EU is effectively trying to stop migration at any cost and is willing to spend for that privilege. And yeah, that's I mean, those are the bigger questions that we need to be asking. It's not just how many people are on Lampedusa, but it's like, how is that being utilized um, by authoritarians to, to extract money from the EU? And, and is that OK?
1: Maloney, when she was on uh, Lampedusa, and she's she's made this call before, but she called for the EU to launch a naval blockade to prevent migrants crossing the Mediterranean. Is that likely to happen? And I mean, what impact would a naval blockade have?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see how that's likely to happen or how it's allowed under international law. Um it's, this isn't a war situation you know these are like desperate people who are seeking safety and um, it's not like they're armed you know they're they're traveling on uh, boats that are quite dangerous and under international law like if, if they're in distress they would um, have to be saved so presumably if the EU had vessels out uh, they would have a requirement to rescue people and yeah I think that this is probably more rhetoric aimed at you know, scaring people, but it's also whipping up kind of a crisis in the wrong place, if that makes sense. Like, again, how many times can we say, like, there are there is such scale of huge suffering happening across a lot of Africa right now. And um, with all this rhetoric, it's making it seem like what's happening in the Mediterranean is the key area where that crisis is happening. When it's not, it's just a symptom of the actual crises. Sure. Now, the EU... For its part, then, promised immediate support to Italy.
1: A new ten-point plan for Lampedusa. You know, you mentioned the word rhetoric. Anytime you hear of a ten-point plan, you know you can't help think of the word rhetoric. But is there anything new in this plan, in your view?
0: No, I don't think so. I think it's more of the same, and um, a lot of this, or a lot of the rhetoric again, it comes down to you know tackling smugglers or traffickers, and actually smugglers it's important to to note they're just filling a need like they're always going to exist if there aren't legal and safe ways for people to travel or for them to reach safety it's frustrating when you're someone who's reported on this for a very long time because you can see that there isn't there isn't like a proper attempt to actually understand the reality of the situation there's a lot of things that politicians say that are are quite removed from the reality if that makes sense and are potentially just to gain political favor or to forward themselves politically. Or to look or to look like they're being seen to be doing something potentially. Now Ursula
1: von der Leyen, she said that the EU will work with Frontex to step up surveillance in the Mediterranean. Now Frontex, that's the EU border Security Organization, which you have written about a lot. And you've talked to us about it before on the podcast. And in particular, you've told us about how Frontex has used aerial surveillance to help the Libyan Coast Guard intercept migrant boats, even though there is extensive evidence that Libya has systematically abused and tortured the migrants it's captured and we've heard that the EU ombudsman has launched an investigation into the role of Frontex in the sinking of the Adriana trawler in June and that led to more than 500 people drowning but you know i suppose that this latest announcement shows doesn't it that the EU the EU stands firmly behind Frontex and its policy in the Mediterranean despite the building number of controversies
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that depends what you mean by the EU, because there is definitely a lot of disquiet. And even recently, we had a a, a resolution non-binding that passed in the European Parliament that was led by, I think, Barry Andrews, the MEP, uh, Irish MEP. And that said that both search and rescue, um, European search and rescue should be reinstated, but also that uh, support for the Libyan Coast Guard, for example, should be conditional on it adhering to fundamental human rights and at the same stage because that's non-binding that's not something that will actually be enforced but there definitely is a lot of disquiet last year the head of Frontex uh, Fabrice Legere stood down and that was over um, allegations of human rights abuses again and I think that more and more people are certainly becoming aware of this. Um, But yeah, I think that maybe a, a total reframing also is necessary. I mean, even in this discussion, you've been saying the word migrants. And I try and at this point to emphasize, you know, these are people like migrant is just a descriptor. This is these are people, you know, like you or me. They're people with hopes and dreams and families. And, you know, even when we use this word, it almost lets people shut off from the reality that this is. These are people that are being affected by these policies.
1: I'll continue my conversation with Sally Hayden after this short break. Ali, in your extensive reporting from Tunisia, and as you say, you can't look at events in Lampedusa without also looking at Tunisia. And you report that the mood has shifted in Tunisia, that it's an increasingly hostile environment for people from sub-Saharan Africa moving up on their way to Europe. You also say that Tunisian President Kai Said is bears much responsibility for this new hostility. What is his motivation in this?
0: I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a journalist. I can't say exactly what I think someone's motivation is because I can't read their mind. But um, I think that there is an understanding now by African leaders that the way to extract money from the EU is basically to to speak about migration, to promise to stop migration. And it's really a tool that, that can be used. And Kais Saied, he's increasingly authoritarian. He's been accused of orchestrating a, a democratic coup in Tunisia. Um, and there's been a wave of repression in terms of arrests of opposition figures. Even for the Irish Times, I interviewed the son of one of the arrested opposition figures. Um, and they're basically saying that the EU is seems to be willing to overlook the increased repression that's happening there because they want to stop migration. And at the same stage, like what are the long-term consequences of doing that? We've seen in other countries increasing destabilization that can be linked in some cases to EU anti-migration funding. One of the most dramatic um, examples of that is what's happening in Sudan where the rapid support forces have now gone to war and more than 5 million people have been displaced. and Uh, The rapid support forces were at one time charged with guarding the Sudanese border to try and stop migration. And they're said to, if not directly, at least indirectly, have been emboldened by EU anti-migration funding. Um, And now we see the the results of that. So, uh, yeah, I think that what's happening in Tunisia really needs to be watched because maybe short term, EU officials feel like this could be a win or this could be a way to stop migration flows, but long-term, what are going to be the ramifications?
1: Now, I get your point absolutely about we use the word migrant and it's a dehumanizing word often because it, it you can you can say it and you can forget or choose to forget or choose not to to really understand that it's a person. And in your reporting you're always very conscious of that you always seek out individuals and their story. Um I was struck by one story you told in your reporting. It was a man called Said Eden Uh, Ishmael, you wrote that he left his home in Darfur, in Sudan, six years ago. But you say that his experience shows that the so-called legal routes to safety can bring their own form of psychological torture. Can you tell me about him?
0: Yeah, sure. So he was somebody that I met um, in a shelter for refugees and asylum seekers people who are registered anyway with the UN refugee agency and he is registered you know after a long process he went to um, Libya tried to cross the sea there I think and then ended up in Tunisia Um, they were protesting at one point I think for months to try and get rights and eventually he's ended up in this shelter and he's in a very slow process to be sent potentially to the US but there's absolutely no guarantee of that whatsoever Um, and basically you're just waiting he's just doing almost nothing every day just waiting very traumatized Um, and I think I don't know the figures exactly from the article but I think it's like 40 people like the numbers that are being moved through legal means are so tiny and the risk is that you know if there's a governmental change for example if there's a new president in the US maybe all resettlement will be stopped um maybe for whatever reason it just won't go ahead there's a huge huge backlog he's one case and he's actually because he's been he left home so long ago that's why he's ended up in this resettlement scheme but the vast vast majority of people that I met are not being considered for those schemes at all and I met many people from Darfur and they escaped the conflict that started in April they say they're fleeing a new genocide that they saw their villages set on fire they saw women being raped people were being killed they don't know are their families alive and they're trying to cross the sea and they feel like they have absolutely no other option. Um, And yeah, there were there were many people escaping that that were in Tunisia.
1: So in that context, then Sally, I mean, that shows why so many people get into those small boats and try to head
0: for Lampedusa. I mean, yeah, that's only one situation that people are fleeing from. I met people from all over Africa, Somalia, where they fled war and drought, Um, Eritrea, Sierra Leone, where people have fled poverty, Guinea, the Gambia, Senegal, um, Nigeria. And like, yeah, I think a lot of the images that people see are often of young men, but actually I met whole families who were all there waiting, um, just hoping to cross and yeah, it was very unimaginable in some ways. Um, And the the range of different reasons why people are trying to to get to a safe place was also massive. You know, even I met a guy who um, was fleeing religious persecution. I met people who uh yeah there, there were so many different reasons and and it really made you realize that yeah this is a global inequality crisis like this is you know not about one specific thing some will have refugee claims that will be valid some won't um as you know the way that refugee status works under international law but yeah the range of issues that people are escaping from is massive so when you talk to that man, the
1: man from Darfur, who's six years trying to find safety and then you talk to families, do they have hope that they will get out of this shocking condition that they're in in
0: Tunisia? Do, do, they, do they have hope? I mean, actually, so quite a few people that I met in Tunisia have now crossed into Italy. Um, so, yeah, there are the chances there. But, yeah, you have to risk your, your death to, what they say, gain a life and it, it is possible. And I mean, that's they were they wouldn't necessarily be trying if there wasn't some chance of it happening. But um, if they couldn't cross from Tunisia, they'd try a different way. So
1: 12,000 in this past week, 12,000 people making that shocking crossing to try to reach Lampedusa. Do you think the figures will be the same next week and the week after and the week after? Is that what's going to happen?
0: to be honest I, I never like predicting anything because I feel like it can always go completely wrong I think potentially there will be a wave of repression um, if the EU I guess is willing to spend enough money potentially Tunisia would be able to unleash that what will be the consequences in terms of you know human rights abuses potentially murders um, will could there be massacres we don't know and like yeah I think as Europeans we need to be asking ourselves are we okay with with atrocities being compi- committed in our names and I guess that's potentially what we are looking at so if the number is reduced that doesn't mean that the amount of people in need reduces um, it just means that potentially the abuses against them increases. Thanks very much Sally. Thank you.
1: That's it for today. For more of Sally Hayden's reports on the migrant crisis, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.